Welcome to worship. We are in the seventh Sunday of Easter. There's something sort of Bible-y about that, that the number seven is often thought of as a number of completeness. So seven times seven, that's really complete. <laughs> the other thing is that during the week, many of us observed the day of ascension. And that marks for us a bit of a shift in what we think about as church folk, paying attention to how the spirit moves among us and within us. And even next week, we anticipate the festival of Pentecost. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus prays, saying, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, and I are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, glory which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and those know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love which with you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel of our Lord. Won't you be seated? Great peace from God, the loving Creator, the risen Christ, and the Spirit who draws alongside to comfort us and to draw us together. The seventh Sunday of Easter has a tradition that maybe some of you are kind of intuiting, some maybe this is new. We read a part of Jesus' prayer on our behalf every seventh Sunday after Easter. And so here we are again. Okay, now it's time for the preacher's confession. It is so easy, it's a cinch, to write a sermon about how the church and Christians and none of us are united in any way, shape, or form. You'd love the first draft. So, there I am, typing and flailing away, and the words of Captain America come to my mind. Oh, this disunity, I could do this all day. 
And then the Holy Spirit, I think, <laughs> had words with me. Uh, Bartster, you're kind of missing the plot here. And what do we hang on to? Especially in light of events this week in Evaldi, Texas. I think those events affect us as much as they affect our siblings in the United States. Isn't it true that when we all, when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one suffers, we all suffer. Yeah. This has been particularly a painful week for many. 19 school kids, fourth graders, and their teachers gunned down. Now, you would think that a preacher would join with the politicians and say, our thoughts and prayers are with you. I'm really struggling with our thoughts and prayers enough, especially considering that some of the people offering said thoughts and prayers went to the National Rifle Association big convention this week. And the BBC, they tallied up the millions and millions of dollars many politicians make from the National Rifle Association and similar lobbies. And we say thoughts and prayers, and you look at the pictures of those, those fourth graders and their teachers. <sighs> there are preachers probably worldwide today coming before their congregations like I am with a heavy heart, wondering, what does prayer do? What does it mean? Quoting from a theologian named Miroslav Wolf, he says that there is no greater hypocrisy than to pray for a problem you have no interest in resolving. Ouch. <laughs> and so what do we pray? I think we can hang on to the prayers that Jesus prays on our behalf, and there is something truly powerful just knowing that someone is praying for you. Jesus prays for us, and we get to overhear it. One of my favorite preachers, Joy J. Moore, tells this story about a family that was part of her congregation where the young child was going into middle school. I would pray for anybody going into middle school. You know how tough that is. But this child was being homeschooled and now was going to middle school and was nervous. And mom and dad, as was their custom, prayed with their children. But as mom went to the door to have lights out, the boy said, Mom, pray for me now. And she said, but we just prayed. No, Mama, pray for me the way you and Dad pray for me when you think I'm asleep. Overhearing those prayers and knowing how much his parents loved him and committed him to God's care, that gave him strength to be able to face middle school. Jesus, likewise, prays for us. There's kind of a long list of so that's in Jesus' prayers. 
so that the world would trust in God. And that's not signing a belief statement or acknowledging something to be true or not true. It's trust, like the trust we have in the people who love us and that we love. That's Jesus' heart's desire. Jesus' prayers have legs. As the abolitionist Frederick Douglass would say, he discovered that his prayers, they had the words, and they needed legs too to really matter. And Jesus' prayers truly have legs. Consider that when Jesus prayed this prayer, he has just finished washing his disciples' feet. And he does this knowing full well that one of them has just sold him out. And knowing that one would say, I never was ever a disciple of Jesus. Knowing this, Jesus prays and serves anyway. That's prayer with legs. You'll have to forgive me, but I was really in a mood for idioms this week. So here's the next one. Jesus, when he prays, has skin in the game. You know what that means? That Jesus has a great stake in the prayers that he prays. He knows what's coming. He knows that unholy alliance between religious leaders and the Roman Empire are going to collude. Collude to his execution. And Jesus prays. He prays that those who follow him then and now would be united somehow. United as God and the one that Jesus calls Father. Those, how they are united. United in purpose. United in love for the world. United with that unwavering commitment to mend all that is broken. Besides, though, a prayer with legs and Jesus having skin in the game, Jesus prays knowing the end game, the healing of all creation. As it says in John 3, when Jesus has the late night visit with the rabbi, and he says, God so loves the world that God comes to bless it and save it. There's a second Miroslav Wolf quotation that comes in handy just now. And that is that for all our God talk about the world, theology, it's really about God mending the world. That's where our hearts are. That's where God's heart is. That's where Jesus' heart is. We pray. And the Spirit prays for us. There's a line in one of Paul's letters to the people in Rome that says that the Spirit of God prays for us when we just flat can't find the words. If you want the um, more precise quote, the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs and groans that we cannot utter. So our prayers join 
with Jesus' prayers. There's a theologian in the UK who writes that when it comes to our oneness, we go back to Jesus, his self-giving, his feeding, his tending, and his crossing boundaries for the sake of love. And that same Jesus calls us to join him in that activity. And that's how we become one. Pastor Mita Stamper, that one will preach. We thank you for those words. And so for us, we who can hear, may we truly listen. And we who have hearts, may we resolve. And may we who have breath and being act in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.